Good morning. Uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're keeping safe. We are in the middle of a series called Reset. It's something that we do at the beginning of every year as a, as a, a community, as a culture. We refocus. For some reason, we just chose the beginning of the year because it's the beginning. And we can, we can start fresh. We talk about the New Year's resolutions. Uh, last year, I had a New Year's resolution of losing 50 pounds. I, I made really good headway into that. And then I gained 25 of it back. You know, that's how it works. So this year I'm resetting my weight loss goals. Uh, other people have, uh, more, oh, what's the word? Selfless goals. They, they want to talk to more people. They want to branch out. They want to share Jesus with people. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about resetting evangelism is the big fancy religious word for it. Um, how was 2020 for you? How were you at, at talking to other people, at reaching out, at sharing Jesus with people? If you're anything like me, you went, you just started going in. You just started looking in and you just started like holding everything close. And, and the, the outside was scary. The outside, there was COVID and we don't want to spread that. And we have the government telling us things and we have our friends telling us things and our coworkers telling us things. And we're like, what can and can we not do right now? I know last year was really hard as a youth minister to, to reach out to teens, to even get the teens in the church interested in doing anything youth group wise. Um, I've been talking to some people that we did uh, a drive-in like every other weekend for a long time during the summer last year, as long as we could go till it got too cold to be outside. And at first that was designed to reach out to teenagers and it ended up being a thing where we reached out to adults and families and it was awesome and it worked. It hit a target I didn't even know I was aiming for. But how are you doing at reaching out, at sharing your faith? In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In England, in 1879, there was a man named Charles Peace. He was convicted of murder, and he was sentenced to be hung uh, on the morning of February 25th, 1879, he was being escorted to the gallows by the prison chaplain. The chaplain was reading aloud from the consolation of religion about the fires of hell. And peace burst out. He said, sir, if I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it. If need be, on hands and knees, I think it worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. I'm willing to crawl the breath of England on hands and knees through broken glass to save one soul if I believed what you believe. That's powerful. I think for me this past year, um, there was a sense of comfort and lack of conviction. Uh, I got really comfortable at home in my pajamas. I love my pajamas. Uh, I love lounging in my pajamas, but that's not 
advancing the kingdom of heaven. The story of Charles Peace, uh, somehow, some reason, reminds me of Jonah. In Jonah 1, 1 through 3, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now more than ever, our world is hurting. People are looking for hope. They're looking for connection. And if you want to know more about that hope that I'm talking about, two weeks ago, Tim spoke on hope. And there's, that's a great lesson to listen to. You can get all of these lessons at greateraltonchurch.com. And in fact, if you go there under the sermon tab, there's notes for this lesson, if you haven't done that already. But I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, so it's one thing to just go in the complete opposite direction of what God's telling us, because God is telling us to go out and make disciples, to evangelize. God is telling us that. But it's another to try to be safe and honor what the government is telling us. Because, you know, Mike, COVID-19 is a real thing, and we must be careful. And I agree with that. I agree we have to have some caution, and we have to have some respect of the people around us, because there are people around us who have immune deficiencies, who have diseases, who have other issues that will cause them to be more susceptible to this pandemic that's going on. But in saying that, That doesn't mean that our mission as Christians on this earth is over or has stopped because the Great Commission is still a thing. It's not a great suggestion because of a pandemic happening in the world right now. Mike, even the Bible tells us to quarantine. Look at the law of Moses. He talks about if somebody is sick, they need to quarantine. They need to be outside of the camp. We need to leave them alone. And if they get healthy, they can come back. If they get worse, they're still outside of the camp. It's not going to spread through the camp. That is completely right. That is what scripture says. That is completely right. But then you look at Jesus and he literally touched lepers. Figure that one out. Well, he's the son of God. Of course he touched lepers. Yeah, but he still touched them. I, I don't know where this, where this goes, where this line of thinking goes. That, are we just going to retract and, and retreat into this like holy huddle, into this little sect that is out, outside of the view of the world, that is just away from everything? Or are we going to trust God? Are we going to trust God and, and tell the world about this great Savior that we have? Yes, COVID is contagious, but so is real Christianity. You know, I debated putting that word in there, real Christianity, because I I was worried it would offend some people. I think some people need to be offended. Jesus, if you read about Jesus, he didn't come to this world to be PC. I joke around with Cassie all the time. There's no way I can be an elected official because I've said too many stupid things, but I've also said some controversial things like what I just said. And, and Jesus, he was less 
a winning personality. He was less a person that just drew everybody to him. He did draw everybody to him. You look at the feeding of the 5,000, uh, the feeding of 3,000. You look at all the Sermon on the Mount, the, these these moments in Jesus' ministry where he was just drawing people in like a net cast out into the sea. I believe the scripture says it, the kingdom of heaven catches all types of fish. And Jesus was casting a net out. But you know what fishermen do when they get back to shore? They sit there and they go through their catch and they throw the crap out. And as soon as Jesus gets done bringing all these people to him, he feeds 5,000 people. And, and then they're like, uh, a little while later, they're like, we're hungry. And he goes, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they're like, peace, we're out. So Jesus is, is, is less of a winning personality and more of a winnowing personality. He, he sifts the chaff out. But he still loved those people. He just didn't want to have some weak Christians around him to dilute the, the gene pool. He wanted people he was going to be able to build a church on. And I think that Jesus is still the Jesus I serve. He loves everyone. But he loves them too much for them to stay the same. COVID is contagious, but so is real Christianity. And today, I want to talk about how we can become contagious again. Not super spreader event, not uh, cough on somebody and pass Jesus. Um, I, want to, I want to talk about how we can be contagious for Christ. How can I become contagious for Christ again? How can I become contagious again? Well, the first thing, um, if you, you're following along on the notes, number one, I'll become contagious like Christ when I speak like Christ. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Colossians 3.16-17 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Through Him. If I want to become contagious, if I want my faith, my passion to be contagious, first thing I need to do is I need to speak like Christ. Toby Mac has a song, and part of it says, Speak life in the deepest, darkest night. The Word of God shows us how to find true life, deep, meaningful life. The words of Christ bring life. Do you let them dwell in you richly? I know when I think about something dwelling in me richly, those words just, it makes me feel, I think of being full. I think of being overflowing. They're in me. And, and you know, when, when something dwells in me richly, it's going to seep out. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have all of the studies that Greater Alton has memorized. You don't even know what the book of Haggai chapter 1 talks about. You just have to know Jesus and know his word and be willing to share that with somebody. It doesn't have to be a scheduled study time, like, hey, what are you doing Thursday night? Nothing, why? Why don't you come over, we'll eat some dinner, and we'll sit down for an hour and a half, and we'll read scripture, and we'll talk about it. Hey, that sounds great. 
And don't get me wrong, those things are great. Those things are great. Don't stop doing those things. But it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be at a church building. It doesn't have to be scheduled. You can be somewhere with somebody and talk about the word and share the words of Jesus with them. You don't know the doors that God is opening for you until you walk through them, until you see them. The word can be spoken into somebody's life through a Zoom call or over a cup of coffee. You can send a text message or a phone call or, you know, ancient way of communication, a letter in the mail. You know, many times I have had a teen or a college student tell me something I said really mattered to them and helped them make a decision about Jesus. There's been a significant amount of time people have come up to me and said this. And, and you know, the funny thing is that most of the time I didn't even remember the conversation because a lot of the things that Jesus uses aren't in scheduled times. They're not in like a cross chat. They're not in a church service. They're in casual conversation, maybe over a meal or while watching a movie or playing a video game or a board game with a teenager. You know, these, these times, there's, there's quality time in quantity time. And when you spend time with people and you have the word of God in you, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. I'll become contagious again when I start speaking like Christ. So that means I have to be in his word. I have to be a student of his word. No, I don't have to know what everything says in every chapter of every book of the Bible. It's funny, a little little side story. Back in college, when people would ask me or Ryan Chestnut a question, and we didn't have an answer right away, our go-to was, I think it's in Zedekiah chapter 5, we'll get back to you. And it just became this running joke. For those of you who don't know, there's no book of Zedekiah in the scripture. That was just our, our way of let us get back to you. And it was a joke. And for the most, peop- most, most part, people understood that it was a joke. Except this one day, one of our friends asked us a question, asked Ryan a question. I don't even think I was there. Asked Ryan a question, and he goes, it's in Zedekiah chapter 5. And the three of us were in a class together, but, you know, one of us kept skipping class. It was me. I wasn't there. And this person was sitting behind Ryan and all of a sudden in the middle of the class, he gets punched in the back. And he turns around and goes, what was that for? And there's this person with her Bible open saying, there's no book of Zedekiah. And me and Ryan were roommates at the time and he, he came home and, and told me it was my fault and it was really funny. And the joke has never died. You don't have to, you don't have to know everything. You just have to be willing to be in God's word and you have to be willing to search when questions are asked. You have to be willing to speak like Christ. So you got to know the words of Christ. So if I want to become contagious again, first thing I do is I start speaking like Christ. I start saying the words of Christ. Number two, if I want to become contagious for Christ again, the second thing I do is I love like Christ. I love like Christ. In John chapter 8, a woman is brought before Jesus and she was caught in the act of adultery. In the act of adultery. This woman's got to be embarrassed. I don't know where the guy is. She's in front of all these Jewish leaders who are men. She's probably naked. That'd be 
horrible thing to go through. And the Pharisees bring her before Jesus, and they say, the law says we should stone her. The law says she should be put to death for her sin. And Jesus says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And he's just doodling on the ground. And at first, even the young guys picked up stones. You know they did. But then the older guys were like, whoa, dude, no. And they, they walk away. And after a little while, in John chapter 8, verse 10, it says, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. In Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, it says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. If you have watched any of The Chosen, um, that first season, near the end of the season, it might even be the last chapter. I think it's the second to last chapter. There's, there's a, a man with leprosy that comes before Jesus, and the disciples pull a knife on him and are yelling at him to get away, but Jesus walks up to him and touches him. The love of Christ is something crazy deep. How do you love? People are desperate for attention and love right now. You know, as a small group, we decided we're going to start meeting in person. Even though we're staying apart and we're masked up, we need the time face-to-face. So uh, we're going to start coming up to the building so we can be spread out. We can have masks on, but we can be together because Zoom just doesn't cut it. Zoom, it's, it's personal and impersonal at the same time. Think about a time when you were sick. What did it mean to you for someone to call and check on you, to show up with food? I can think of um, times, oh man, uh, it's, been a, it's been a minute since I had my appendix surgery. I think it's been like eight or nine years. Um, but I can think of uh, Janet McBride. She was so concerned for me. She wrote letters and she called. Um, every time she saw me, she checked on me to make sure I was okay. I can think of Mike and Kim Kiffmeyer just showing up the day I came home from the hospital to take the girls so I'd have quiet in the house, which honestly probably wouldn't have mattered because they gave me so much drugs I passed out. But you know, that's the thought. Or when we brought our girls home from the hospital, having somebody to cook for us and bring us food because you don't know what it's like to be a first-time parent. It's like suddenly it's a, a tro- it's a... It's a clinic on sleep deprivation, and good Lord, I love to cook, but I don't. I couldn't function that first week getting used to a, a baby in the house. And man, Cassie's a trooper because she was she had to feed them. I couldn't do that. If I could, I would have, but I couldn't. Not properly equipped. And she was up like every two hours feeding the kid, and then I would change the diaper, and then we'd try to sleep some more. And oh, heaven forbid they get sick when they're sick all night. That's just miserable. And you're like. Ah, and people would just show up and help. How much does that mean to you when stuff like that happens? Jesus healed multiple lepers. Jesus spent time with hookers, prostitutes. Jesus spent time with drunks. Jesus spent time with the lowest of the low. I know right now, Jesus is opening my eyes. I see people. 
do you know what I'm saying? I see people. As I drive home from work through Upper Alton, I see people. I see the homeless people carrying all their stuff, sometimes asleep on the sidewalk, begging for money. I see the people who stand in the crosswalks and just yell at the cars as they walk past them or talking to people who aren't there. I see the people sitting outside Walmart with a sign, anything can help, God bless. I see people. And to be honest, usually I'm the guy who's that meme, that puppet meme that's just like looking the other way. But lately, I've been the guy that if I have some cash or some food, I'll stop and I'll give it to them. We're coming home from Florida in December and there was a, there was a man at a, at a stoplight and I was like, whatever's in my wallet, I'm going to give him. And I had a $20 bill. $20 bill is his. I felt Jesus saying that. I don't say that to say, hey, Mike D's awesome. I'm not saying that because of that. I'm saying that because I want, I want us as a family to love like Christ. I want us to see people, see the needy, see the hurting. Right now, even in our own Christian family, there are people who are hurting, who need our love, who need our support, who need us. How do you love? Do you love like the world? You only love those that can love you back, can give you something in return? Or do you love like Christ? It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that stands out. If you look at any of his interactions with people who aren't of the religious type, you see nothing but love. I've, I've told you guys before, John chapter 4 is my favorite scripture in all of scripture, where it talks about the Samaritan woman. She's the worst person on the face of the planet, and she's the first person that Jesus reveals that he's the Messiah to. He loves her. I don't love like that yet. I'm still working on that, and I'm going to keep working on that. I'm going to fail a lot. I'm going to fail a lot, but I'm going to keep trying. If I want to be contagious again, I speak like Christ, I love like Christ. The last thing, number three, is I share my excitement about Christ. I share my excitement about Christ. Were you excited about the Super Bowl last week? Were you at least excited about the food? Did you talk about the Super Bowl on Monday? Did you talk about the commercials? Did you talk about what happened? Did you talk about the streaker? Did you talk about, what did you, were you excited? If you're excited about something, you're going to talk about it, right? How about politics? Have you talked about politics in the last year? What about your hobbies or your favorite TV show? Have you talked about them to somebody? Because, I mean, for me, I get excited about that stuff. Michael Gill and I talk about nerd stuff all the time because, well, we're nerds and we love nerd stuff. What excites you? What excites you? Does scripture excite you? Does learning about Jesus excite you? You put me and Alan in a room together and most of you will get bored. Most of you will get bored because he'll start saying some big words and I'll be like, dude, that's what I was thinking, but I don't know the word. And it'll go back and forth. Like last week we had a phone call and it, it was supposed to be a quick answer. And then we had a conversation and, it ha- and he's like, I'm sorry that took so long. No, it was great. What excites you? What excites you? Does Jesus excite you? Does your faith excite you? If it doesn't, you need to work on something. Because we don't 
serve a dead God. We serve a living God. He, he came back from the dead. That's huge. That should just excite us in that. Um, last week, Tim did a whole sermon on passion. This is Tim's sermon. Point number three. Listen to last week. I'll just pray and we'll be done. No, I got some other stuff. Um, he talked about passion and he used this passage last week when he was talking. In Romans 12, verse 11, it says, Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. Uh, Alan and Chris's new house has radiant heat in their back room. And he, he was explaining it to me. And I'm like, sitting there and, and listening to this radiant the heat doesn't stay in the pipes. So heat is particles that get excited and they bump into other particles and those particles get excited and suddenly the temperature starts going up because the particles are moving faster. Yes, we're talking physics in church because that's what literally these particles are excited. When your faith bumps into somebody else's faith, is your faith excited and it's making their faith excited and making the next person's faith excited because y'all just your faiths are bumping up to each other and you're like, holy crap, this is awesome, guys. And suddenly the church is on fire and we all love Jesus and it can't be contained in this building because our faiths just keep bumping into each other and it has to get out of the building and it starts bumping into people in the world. Holy crap, am I talking about the spread of the kingdom? Because somebody's excited about the word of God? Let me ask you a question, and this is going to work better when we're in person, in service, but I'm going to ask you a question right now. Us, how did you find Greater Alton? How did you find Greater Alton? Because I am willing to bet it was not, I'm just going to drive past a church on a Sunday morning and pick one. It's not how it worked for me. You know how I found Greater Alton? My girlfriend was struggling with depression, met somebody who was like, you know what, I've struggled with that too, but Jesus helps me. Come meet these people who love Jesus. And she went to this thing called a Bible talk. We were in college. And she met people who struggled with a lot of the same stuff she struggled with, yet they loved Jesus and they were overcoming their struggles through Christ. Their faith was excited and it bumped into her and she started getting excited. So I'm like, this place sounds really cool because you're getting helped and you're getting healed to an extent. And, and it's a process. I understand that. But something's happening. I want to check this out. So you know what? I showed up on Easter morning. Oh my gosh. It's been like 20 years. Oh, I've been here 20 years. It's, it was Easter morning. And I can remember that uh, Jesus was on trial and there was a mock trial going on. We were in the old building. Brandon Louvier and John Gergaitis were somehow involved in this. And I was, I walked into this building and people were like, Mike, and they hugged me. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. None. But we know who you are. Cassie's told us so much about you and we're excited to meet you. And I kept getting hugs and it was weird. And I come from a very traditional background type church and they were clapping. What is this? And I suffer horribly from CRD. I still cannot clap and sing at the same time. If you watch me on Sunday mornings, I can slap my thigh, but I cannot clap while I sing. It's just, it's not happening. And I'm like, this is different. And it still is. It still is different. 
People notice passionate people. So where's your passion? Is it rooted in Christ? Is it rooted in, in His Word? Or is it something really stupid and super, superficial? Because I've been there. I've been there. I get there a lot. Like, like I said, Michael and I can talk about nerd stuff forever. But you know, our conversations, where they usually start and end, is what we're learning about Jesus, what we're learning as husbands, and what we're learning as fathers. Because that's where our true passions lie. Yeah, comic books and movies and music, it's all fun. But where's your true passion? You see, Moses in, in uh, Exodus 34, when he got done talking to Jesus, he came down and or came out of the tent of meeting, and people were afraid of him because his face was glowing. He was radiating the presence of God. And he had to put a veil over him. Psalm 34, verse 5 says, Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. When Moses spent time with God, people knew it. He physically showed it. You know, the presence of God should shine through us too. Do a study. Look up passages where people rejoiced about what God had done for them. So what has God done for you? Because if you're not excited about your relationship with God, obviously you're in a tough spot. For me, when I'm not excited about my relationship with God, I just remember what God has done for me, where he's brought me from, where I believe he's taking me. Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I know the Lord is always with me, and I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Psalm 77, verse 11 says, I will remember your great deeds, Lord. I will recall the wonders you did in the past. When God works in your life, do you hide it? But Mike, my testimony isn't that great. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It doesn't have to be a giant roaring fire to shine. Just a match in a dark cave will light up the room. Your testimony is important, even if you don't think it's very great. I don't think mine is, but mine has helped people. This morning I want to end with a, with a passage and a thought. So I can become contagious for Christ again when I speak like Christ, I love like Christ, and I share my excitement about Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, in the message paraphrase, it says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this, as public as a city on the hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. This morning, if I boil all of this lesson down, it would look like this. If I'm on fire for God, I don't have to worry about reaching out to people. Evangelism is going to come naturally. God's love for people will flow out through me. His words will come out of my mouth. And it will cause people to wonder and ask why I'm so different. Why 
are you different? What excites you and where do your passions lie? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear Lord, please help us. Help us to find that spark. Help us to find that passion. Help us to find a desire to be in your word. Help us to be that radiant energy. Help us to be those, those excited particles that heat up the things around us. Help our faith to bump into others' faith. Help our faith to excite others' faith. Help us to look to you and to follow in your footsteps and to seek you. Help our passion for you to flow out through us to the people around us. Father, I want to pray for those in our, in our family who are hurting right now. There, there are quite a few people in my heart right now, God, and I pray comfort for them. I pray healing for them. I pray peace for them. I, I pray that you send your angels and your people to them, God, and you can wrap your arms around them. God, help us as a family to grow, both in maturity and in size. Help us to seek people who need you. Help us to see people, Father. Help us all to see people. Challenge us, God. Push us out of our comfort zone because I don't want to essentially tell people to go to hell because I'm too comfortable to get off my couch. Help us, Father. Help us to reset. Help us to be contagious for you again. God, we love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.